Well, welcome to the journey. Uh, before we dive into our mission, vision, values, discipleship path, uh, I wanted to start us off by talking about why mission is so critical to, to the church, but also to any, really any organization, right? And so if you're in business, if you're a leader, if you're a boss, a direct report, this sort of makes sense to you, I'm, I'm sure, I, I hope. But I, I want to share a few buffers before we jump into uh, the scriptures this morning. And the reason why we're presenting this after we've talked through this with staff, elders, ministry leaders, is because mission provides a clear direction, right? I mean, if the mission is clear, it provides a clear direction. But mission tells the church and organizations, hey, this is where we're going, right? And people can say, well, what about this? Well, yep, all good things, but this is where we're going. And you can say no to good things when you have a greater why for an ultimate thing, right? Mission gives a church clear direction. Uh, hopefully some of you parents are excited about winter break happening in a few weeks. Maybe, maybe you're not, <laughs> I don't know, but I know your students are. And uh, if you want to be a horrible parent, take my advice. Just tell your, tell your kids, hey, we're going to go to a beach uh, for winter break. Don't tell them what beach, right? And uh, pack your kids up, drive down to Logan, and get out of here. Now, one of your kids will be like dad, because it's always a dad, right? Dad, uh, we need to talk about what a beach is. This is the Ohio River, and these are like three pebbles of sand. I mean, you've got ingredients for a beach, but this is not a beach. What's the problem, right? Like, grow up, son. I'm your father. I paid for this. We're going to be happy. Uh, when you don't have clear direction, people make up in their minds, vocally or to themselves, of where they think the church or an organization is going. So mission and clear mission is really important to say, this is the direction we're going even though there are a million other ways we can do this, right? But yet, this is the direction we're going. If this does not sit well in your spirit with you or your family, let me help you find another great church in our area. But this is the direction we're going. No church should have to compromise their sense of what Jesus is inviting them into, nor should a person or a family compromise what they sense Jesus is inviting them into. But when both of those values line up, man, that, that's an amazing, beautiful thing. Mission's also important for alignment, right? When I think about alignment, I, I, I think about the sport of rowing. Uh, rowing is something that I never thought I would do, but have come to actually love. Uh, what I know about rowing is this. If you don't have alignment, you, you, Midwest term, you ain't got nothing, right? If you've got one guy or gal on your team that's like, oh, there's a butterfly, and they stick their oar in the water a little too long, that diverts the path. But if everybody is rowing at the same pace, pushing their own weight, it not only gives the team a clear direction, the finish line, but everybody is in alignment, and the majority of people are in agreement, this is where we should go. It's so critical for any church or organization to not only have a clear direction, but also to have alignment. Thirdly and finally, mission provides or gives a scoreboard. I've been reading a lot uh, from Harvard Business Journal Review about why employees leave uh, their, their place of employment. Uh, this isn't, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's a survey. It could be other reasons. But one of the reasons why employees leave their job often is um, 
tension with their boss or their direct report. Largely so because they don't know what the win is, right? Like they don't know if they go in for the quarterly review or yearly review, if they're going to get raked over the coals or if they're going to get a raise. And maybe it's, you know, depending on what is in the coffee that the boss is drinking that morning, where they decide if you're going to get a raise or you're going to get you're going to get canned. And what happens often in a church is that we fear from being too corporate, and so we don't give anybody expectations. Uh, I don't think expectations are a corporate thing. I think they're a God thing, right? And so our scoreboard moving forward on the back of your Connect card is our discipleship path. Uh, it's, it's to journey inward towards Christ with other people and out in our community uh, and the world. It, it's how we're going to know if our church is engaging in the mission of Jesus. And you have the mission statement in front of you or maybe on you if you sat on it. Uh, it's a magnet. Our mission statement is on it, which is inviting people to journey with Jesus uh, I hope that this is a white-hot passion of yours as it has become our staff and elders and ministry leaders. I know that just because the lead communicator says it doesn't mean everyone's going to be like, okay, that's my mission now. It can happen over time. But we really believe that inviting people to journey with Jesus is the invitation of Scripture. And I want to walk us through our mission statement because I know we're in the age of social media, but, you know, surprise, words actually do matter. And you have the right to say, what do you mean by inviting people to journey with Jesus? Well, let me walk us through that. Uh, allow me to do that. Number one, inviting. We believe that all of scripture is an invitation to experience uh, and to know God. I believe that the narrative of scripture starts out with an invitation. There's this beautiful language in the Hebrew in Genesis where uh, the writer says that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. Isn't that kind of cool? I mean, you can't picture that now because it's winter in New England. Uh, but in the springtime, you know, you put in a full day's work. Uh, you know, nobody's fighting at the dinner table. Everyone's relaxed. And then someone says, hey, let's go for a walk, right? And you take your dog and you're walking the neighborhood and there's this gentle, cool breeze dancing across your face. And it just feels like everything is right with the world. That was the relationship humanity had with God before we didn't. <laughs> uh, and then we decided maybe we can go our own way. Uh, and we ate of the, of the tree that we should not have, have, have eaten from. And, and God goes looking for us. And, and Genesis 3 verse 9 asks us this simple question, terrifying question. Where are you? Now, did God have an iPhone in his, you know, Google Maps app, you know, freeze up? No, this wasn't a question of geography, right? There's two people in the world. You can only go so far. God knew where Adam and Eve were, uh, but they didn't know where they were in relationship to God, right? And so from Genesis to Revelation, Scripture is one letter inviting us to journey with Jesus, uh, and from the fall of Genesis chapter 3 to the redemption of all things in Revelation, God has been sending us invitations. And what have we been doing? We've been throwing them in the trash and killing people. We've killed the prophets that God sent. We look at Isaiah, and Isaiah and Jeremiah uh, tell us really hard things, right? Major and minor prophets. And they, man, they, to be honest with you, they, they got the short end of the stick. They had to be preachers that had to call out their country for their sin. And they would say things like, repent, 
come back to your heavenly father uh, or you will perish. Like hell was a, was a uh, prevalent song and a groove that they heard in Isaiah's preaching and Isaiah's writing and nobody wants to be told what to do or where to go. Same is true for us in America. And so what do we do with people we don't like? We end them, right? And that's what we've been doing. And so the father sent his son and we killed him too because we didn't know what to do with him. We didn't like what he had to say. He was encouraging, but yet also offensive and challenging us. And yet Jesus himself invites us into his journey. And in Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, I'm reading from the message, which is a paraphrase. It's a great little uh, paraphrase Bible to read for your devotionals. Probably not good for Bible study, but good for um, uh, devotionals. In, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, are you tired? Are you worn, worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Now, let's imagine we're a first century Jew listening to this rabbi. And you think about your heritage, your, fa- your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, and so on and so on. Is my family tired and burned out? Uh, yeah, because since Genesis chapter 3, we've been walking away from God. I've heard stories, right? I'm still talking as a first century Jew, of my ancestors wandering in the wilderness, wondering if Pharaoh's going to catch up, right? Are we ever going to make it to Canaan? Are we there yet? Is God actually going to provide for us? And you read this as a first century Jew and you go, yeah, they are tired. They are worn out. They are burned out on religion. I mean, the text says in the Gospels, as Jesus is rolling into town on his donkey, he weeps, right? He weeps because his people are bombarded by the religious people. And regular people like ourselves wanting a connection with God and religious people making it incredibly difficult. And so if you answered yes to any of these three questions, guys, like engaging with the text this morning, this is what Jesus invites us into. Come to me, get away with me. You will recover your life. What an interesting statement. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. So Jesus isn't a teacher or a disciple maker that just says, here, let me tell you everything, good luck, and kind of push you off the cliff, and you have to figure it out. Jesus does, we'll talk about this in our next series, Hero Maker, Jesus does shoulder-to-shoulder relationships with other people. It's not about him impressing you with his knowledge. He wants to teach you, for sure, but then he wants to help you figure this out and how to navigate through life. Uh, He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and learn to live freely and lightly. Well, what was ill-fitting and heavy for the Jews at that time? It was religion. It was obeying the Torah, all 613 commands, right? If you're supposed to rest on the Sabbath, well, what does work mean? And the Pharisees would take a rule and just extend it out to the nth degree so they, they could be good Jewish boys. And Jesus says, what I, what I have to teach you won't weigh you down. It will convict you. And conviction's a good thing. Guilt in a loving relationship with Jesus is also a good thing. To know that there's a 
sense of holiness and righteousness that Jesus has, but also a sense of that he wants to come alongside of us. Those are good things, but in the hands of a wrong person, in the hands of overtly religious teachers that have an ax to grind, it can be, it can be a deadly thing. We believe that from Genesis to Revelation is one long invitation for us to journey with Jesus. Over 1,500 years of putting this thing, the Bible, together, over several continents, men and women, all telling the same story, that the Bible is about Jesus written for us. And the Bible is not about morality or legislation legislation or laws to keep, right? My favorite preacher, one of them is Tim Keller. His wife, Kathy, says a sermon is not a sermon until you get to Jesus. I like that. Every book in the Bible, if a, if a communicator knows what they're doing, every book in the Bible is not about a morality lesson, 10 ways to improve your life. It is about Jesus and growing your dependency and trust in him and not your own ethics. Inv- invitation. Who are we inviting? We're inviting people because we believe at RCC that people are the point. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, Moses writes, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is fa- he's a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love. That's Hebrew for hesed love. It, it's a contractual love. Uh, there's a book in the Old Testament called Hosea talking about how many times Christians, to use 2020 language, they run out on God and we have multiple affairs. We chase after things less loving and beautiful than Jesus, but that we think will give us more meaning and purpose in life. And Moses is writing down here in the Torah and Deuteronomy that God's love is hesed. When God says he loves you, he means it. And he won't turn his back on you. He goes on to say, uh, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. God really loves people and really loves you, even on the worst day of your life. Um, we're, we're, we're crazy here. Uh, we actually believe that in your circle of influence, when you're having a cup of coffee with a friend or going on a stroll through your neighborhood and you see one of your neighbors and you strike a conversation, we actually have the, I have, we actually have the audacity to say as a church and believe this as a church, that when people ask you conversations about life and God and ultimate reality, you are the most important person to that person in that moment. You don't need a church event to bring them to. Hopefully the pastor will convert them. No, no. Jesus actually believes that when you walk with people through this life, this experience that we're in called life, and they ask you because they trust you, Jesus actually believes that in that moment, you are the most important person to help that person start their journey with Jesus. The question is, will we have the courage? Will we have the guts to do it, right? And I know how people feel about religion. It's a fairy tale thing. It's this or that, or what about science? And no, Jesus actually historically lived. I don't need a Bible to prove that. Actually, I can prove that through non-Christian historians that want to tell uh, that want to communicate what actually happened in real time. The problem is, and the struggle even that I, I face, again, I know I get paid to show up at church, but I, the, the, I still struggle with this, is that will I lose this relationship if I, if I share my faith with this person? Will there be an awkwardness? But you know what? That's not up to me. It's not up to me on how somebody receives 
how I share my faith, right? It's not up to me. Uh, I, I recognize that in this moment they trust me, and I'm going to share what they're asking me to do. And that's why I love this mission statement and this idea that, like, as a church, of course we'll have events throughout the years, obviously, but in that moment, like, you get to share your faith. You get to, this is what I love about the gospel, the gospel has this insatiable hunger for curiosity, right? Let me explain it this way. If you're talking with a friend that is not a Jesus follower, and I'm not, and I'm not saying if you are, you're better than them, not at all, and they're going through a really tough time, it looks like marriage is heading to divorce, or it looks like one of their kids might be Judas 2.0, and they don't really know how to parent that, that child, or w- whatever it is, right? And they're asking you, What's your perspective on this situation? You can ask it from your perspective, or you can use it as an opportunity to pique the curiosity of your friend. Um, Because I really believe that uh, Jesus followers have this beautiful gift and responsibility to help our friends imagine life differently. Right? Because if, if the only way you know how to do marriage and relationships and parenting uh, without Jesus is one way, I really believe that Jesus followers have a re- an obligation and an ability to help our friends and family and neighbors to, to, to have a different perspective. Does that make sense? But uh, having a different perspective doesn't come from um, your ability to be a good Christian. It comes from your ability to have intimacy with Jesus, right? Those moments feel uh, thrilling for us and make us feel alive because we quietly and faithfully spend time in God's word, getting to know Jesus. And so when our friends ask us these very important questions, we're ready to come alongside them and we're ready to share our perspective. You know, hey, my marriage isn't great, but here's how my spouse and I are trying to figure this out. I mean, my kids are just as demonic as Judas. Uh, but this is how we're trying to figure it out, right? It's an opportunity to invite people to journey with Jesus. And at that moment, when people ask us those questions, man, we are the most important person in the world to that one person because they trust us. They trust us. And especially in this part of the country, friends, you know this, people have all different kinds of opinions about organized religion, but they love you, they trust you, That's why they're asking you, hey, what's your perspective on this? Well, let me tell you how I approach this as I try to figure out how to journey with Jesus. We're inviting people to journey. In 1 John 2, John writes, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. It's not just saying, I love Jesus. It's following him and listening to him and being obedient as to what he has to say in his word. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. Don't miss this. There's a connection here. With cognitively knowing the scriptures, John just said, when you know the scriptures cognitively, there develops in you emotionally a love for Jesus. Isn't that crazy? 
knowledge about God, and it's not all about head knowledge, it, it is part of it, knowledge about God produces in me, according to Jesus, an emotional attachment and connection and a passion for God to what? To invite people to journey with Jesus. In verse 6, which is really the whole reason why I threw this verse up there, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Because it's a journey. If you say you're a Christian, that also means in that same breath, I'm on the journey too. I don't have it figured out, uh, but I know Jesus does, and I'm going to stay as close to the leader (laughs) as I possibly can. Uh, The other part of our mission statement is we're inviting people to journey with now, who cares about a preposition? I hated English class in high school. I was two points away from uh, honors English, but my brother got in, so good for him. <laughs> now I just use memes. Who cares, right? Why does the preposition with mean so much in our spiritual journey? Because <clears throat> um, we tend to follow Jesus according to American values and not the kingdom of God values. And here's what I mean by this is we tend to process um, our journey with Jesus in terms of what we can do for God, right? Because a lot of our experience on life and our worth comes from what we can produce, right? And when we don't know how to produce and make life happen, especially for us men uh, and anybody in the room that's a a driver, uh, we kind of have an existential crisis, Jesus never asked us to do anything for God. Jesus asked us to learn how to walk with God. Does that make sense? There's a very, very stark, you know, drastic difference here. Um, In terms of, Jesus took care of us trying to figure out how to be good Christian boys and girls. A surprise answer, we can never be perfect. So Jesus went to the cross on our behalf to die for our sins, live the perfect life that we freak out about and causes us anxiety when we think about our faith journey. Jesus has already taken care of that. Jesus is more interested in helping you learn to walk with him than he is you doing stuff for him. Oh, he wants you to do stuff for him. We have a purpose at RCC. Jesus has blessed us with a phenomenal building in a phenomenal location. It is not time to sit on our hands and twirl our thumbs. No, no, no. We're activating the journey right now. But are we walking? I'm saying this because I hate this. I struggle with this, guys. Are we walking at the pace of the Spirit, or are we, walk, are we running at the pace of our own ambition? In Galatians 5, 16, I'm just going to read the first verse. Paul says it this way. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Sometimes we sin because we're too ambitious for our own good. Right? Sometimes we sin because we're too ambitious for our own good. And Paul says, who is one of the most dominant Bible writers, I mean, you have to have drive to, you know, A, kill Christians, convert to Christianity, and then spread Christianity throughout Europe so that we would have Christianity here in America. One of the most dominant Bible writers says, slow down. Stop doing stuff for God. 
learn how to what? Walk with God. The same thing Jesus said in Matthew 11. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come with me. I'll show you how to rest. I'll show you how to journey with me. And in doing so, you will recover the life that I created you uh, to enjoy. I'm not good at that, but I really love the sound of it. (laughs) Uh, And it's something uh, that I want to step into uh, forever, but over the next uh, months and years. And the the final uh, word in our mission statement is Jesus, to which you're probably rolling your eyes like, yeah, you're a pastor, you have to mention Jesus. Uh, But I recognize that in the conversations I'm having with my friends that aren't connected with Jesus, when they ask me if I'm a Christian, and I say yes, which I do, uh, you know, I'm like a professional Christian, I guess, the next response, eight times out of ten, is, well, I don't go to church anymore. I, I was forced to go as, when I was little. It was kind of, a, you know, irrelevant, didn't give me life. Sit up, stand down, shut up, don't ask questions. You know, let's go home and smile. Um, people equate religion with their church experience. We want to create a culture that when they hear the idea of religion, they are forced to consider the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? I'm not a Christian because I go to church. I'm a Christian because I'm trying to fall in love with Jesus every single day of my life. I go to church because they help me, they help me do that. They help me do that. So, yes, I get it. Jesus juke. Yeah, of course you would put Jesus in your mission statement. But it's purposeful in that I recognize, we recognize as an elder team, a staff team, and volunteers, and you guys, you've lived here. I've only lived here for a year and a half. That people equate God with a church building and a religious experience that has nothing to do with engaging their heart. It has everything to do with sit up, stand down, fall in line, do this, do that, do all these things, and then you're good to go. And the heart is never engaged in the journey. That's why we want to invite people to journey with Jesus. Not dogma, not religion, not with predictability, but with with the wild heart of God in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that they would do that here because you invited them to do that. So we exist to invite people to journey with Jesus. And here's, here's what we'd like for you to do. Put this little guy, gal on your fridge at work, wherever you're going to see it every day. And let this prayer, let this question be your prayer. Who am I inviting to journey with Jesus? Right? Who, can I, who am I in relationship right now that I can have gospel curiosity with. Hey, have you considered this? Have you considered that? Right? Like, what, what, what do you think about the person of Jesus? Is, is, is getting connected to him a priority for you? No. Okay, why not? I went to church when I was a kid. I hated it. Okay. Well, do you think Jesus meant for church to be like that? You see what I'm saying? Who, every day, when you wake up, Who is the one person that Jesus is inviting you to ask them to think differently and possibly start their journey with Jesus uh, right in the midst of a relationship with you? It's pretty empowering when you think about it. What I'd like to do with the remainder of our time today is talk about, uh, on the back of your Connect card, is our discipleship path. 
You'll know one of the values isn't on there yet because we're still developing it. But so when we talked about, um, we talked about how mission is helpful to have a scoreboard, right? How do we know um, we're, I hate to say it this way, but like how do we know we're winning or how do we know we're helping people journey with Jesus? Uh, we're gonna define that in four ways, okay? And we're, we're also gonna say that the faith journey is not linear. Uh, oftentimes, I've, I share this with uh, our volunteer leaders at our last leadership huddle, oftentimes we think, okay, I got saved, baptized, became a Christian, all that stuff when I was, I was 10 when I was baptized. Uh, and so now I'm 37, so I should be this far down the line. But really, a lot of stuff happened to me, uh, a lot of hurt, so now, now I'm here, right? Uh, faith is not linear. It's circular, uh, meaning that it's like a slinky, uh, meaning that it's like us in the wilderness in the book of Exodus. And it's a lot like the judges. Well, what was Israel like during those time periods Oh, we love God. God's awesome. Wait a minute. Other countries have their own way of doing doing governance. We want a man-made gov- we want a man-made ruler, right? God says, "Okay." Then they get a man-made ruler. Then they then it's like, uh, you know, uh, it's like a big fraternity house. People are breaking commandments with their hands, doing whatever they want, sinning. It's a big 1975 party. I don't know. I wasn't around 1975. Yep, some of you are old. And then it's like, oh, no, we're, you got to, yeah, hold on. Oh, no, we, we've, sin, we've sinned, and now we're terrible people. Can we get rid of our man-made ruler and come back to God? And God says, sure, right? But they're still journeying. They're still going to Canaan. Oh, oh no! We we want our, we want we want another uh, we want another president or king or ruler. Can you? Yep, sure. All right, and then we met when we wreck our lives and we want to come back. You see what I'm saying? Faith is more circular. We're still moving linearly because you're born and you die. But the reason why we beat ourselves up so much is that we think we should be further down the path than we are. And Scripture goes, wait a minute. Faith is more circular. Uh, it's going to take you a lot longer to where you want to be <laughs> uh, in, in, in the faith journey. And for some of us that are just, you know, drivers, that's annoying. It's annoying to me. Uh, but we have to learn how to walk with Jesus. So what are the four discipleship values that we're going to help keep score here with RCC? Well, the first one is this, inviting people to journey towards Jesus, because every journey uh, begins with a single step, right? Think about this. Uh, it is not, no small thing for a first-time visitor to come to our church. Uh, I've met several people uh, when I ask, like, how do you, how'd you hear about us? And they give me this look like I'm an old guy, and they're like, Google, everybody else, you know what I mean? But I'm like, ah, no, I want people from RCC to be talking and inviting people. And, and you guys do that, and you're awesome at that. And, and, and because Brian Yankee does an awesome job, I don't know how it works, but when people search us, we're like number one on the internet, so they pick us. Literally, it's, it's that crazy. People search Christian church, and boom, we pop up. We're like one or two or three on, on Google. I almost said the Google, like I'm 47, not 37. And, and they come, and they, sorry, you know, I'll, 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 yeah, okay. Um, and, 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 they, and they come, and they set their alarm. And they get dressed. Some of them take showers. They, they get their kids ready, throw them in the van, swagger wagon, and they come here, and they stand in the lobby. I'm here. It is no small thing for someone 
to set their alarm, get dressed, get their kids ready, and come to church for the very first time, especially if no one invited them. Like, they looked it up themselves on Google. And so we, we believe the journey towards Jesus begins with a single step. And it's not a, oh, I became a Christian like 70 years ago. I'm past that. No, it's everybody all the time. What is our next step towards Jesus? Mine might be different than someone who is not a Jesus follower yet and looking for a good, solid church. And mine might be different than yours, and yours might be different than mine, and that's okay, but every journey begins with a single step. You can't say you went on a hike and you sat on a rock at the trailhead the whole time and waited for your buddies to come back. That's not how hiking works, right? The second value is to journey with, that every journey needs a circle of friends. Every journey needs a circle of friends. You cannot obey scripture. Let me be more specific. You cannot obey a third of Paul's letters if you're not in a life group or you're not in some sort of community. And what do I mean by that? All those lay alone, one another passages, love one another, forgive one another, put up with one another. All, a lot of our faith is grinded out in the context of community. Right? You can have a personal relationship with Jesus. You can have devotion times one-on-one. But if you were to tell Paul that's my primary source of spiritual nourishment, he'd look at you like you're crazy, right? Like even the Jewish rabbis in the first century would say that, uh, uh, that God is only present when two or three rabbis are gathered together to study the Torah. Like there was even this belief that God shows up in the midst of when people gather together. And so it's super critical in your spiritual development, in your journey, that you do that with other people. Uh, whether that's a life group, you develop relationships with other people here, and you meet with them throughout the week. But however you do, it is mission critical that you journey with Jesus in the context of a circle of friends. Our third value is to journey inward, right? To journey inward. And we believe that um, every journey shapes who we are becoming, right? Uh, even if you're enjoying your marriage or your marriage is heading to divorce, you're, you're loving parenting or you hate parenting, whatever is going on in your reality right now is shaping who you are becoming. That's why it's so critical that we listen to Paul and figure out what does it look like to walk with the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit, not doing stuff for God, but learning how to do stuff with, with God. And our fourth and final value is to journey out. And every journey uh, is an opportunity to serve our community, Salem and the surrounding areas, and to explore our world. Uh, mission trips are not for the few crazy people in a church that love to travel. Missions and this value of journey out, which is our new language, journey out, not missions, this value of journey out was an expectation that Jesus gave us, right? We call it the Great Commission. Take my gospel where you live, and then eventually take it to the world. Now, what if the disciples said, yeah, missions isn't really our thing? Christianity wouldn't make it to America. It would not have spread throughout Europe. We'd be dead in the water right? Well, Facebook Live would have come along. You, you, know what you know what I'm saying? If the disciples said, yeah, mission trips are just for the few crazy people that, you know, like to travel during the summer. No, no. Journey out, loving where we live, and exploring our world 
are both equally important to Jesus and expectations that Jesus has for us, friends, is that we don't take the journey and keep it to ourselves, but we take it to the world. We love our community and explore the world around us. This is what, this is what we mean by inviting people to journey with Jesus. And as I close, I want to talk about, and I'll cover these throughout uh, the rest of the, uh, the series, weeks two through four, I'm going to be diving deep 30 minutes into each of these values. So next week we'll start, we'll start with uh, how to journey towards. But I want to talk about our values here for a moment. And values are important for a church and an organization because they inform us sort of how to behave. How, how are we, how are we going to journey together with Jesus? And I think some of these values are already true of RCC, and some of these values are aspirational. Maybe they're not true yet, but they can be as we move, you know, as we row uh, in alignment towards them together. The first one is dependency. Who we are becoming is more important than what we are doing. Not an American idea, but a kingdom of God idea. That what's happening to us right now in our world is more important than being defined by what we can produce. And so all of what we do at RCC, elder meetings, staff meetings, budget meetings, are we showing a dependency on Jesus? Life group leaders, when people ask you a question, are you giving them advice or are you helping them depend on Jesus? Right? It's wrestling with that tension. Our second value is generosity. And you could probably repeat this if you've been here as long as I have. Because generosity tells better stories. As we continue to invite friends and family here, we're going to need more space. We're going to have to hire more staff. And that takes financial dollars. That takes the generosity of our church. Why? Because Ben's all about money? No, Ben's all about storytelling and helping as many people in our community within a 30-mile radius to start their journey with Jesus. It's going to take all of us. Our third value is vibrancy. Uh, we love celebrating and anticipating when our friends take next steps, right? There are some people that, are, that have said, I've been a Christian for years, and you kind of want to go tell your face, man. Like, when are you going to smile, right? Vibra it's okay, you can laugh. We're not at the DMV. Um, vibrancy is such a critical value because we want to have fun. Now, we're not going to manufacture happiness and be shallow about it, but we're going to let the joy of the Lord on our face and in our hearts, our fourth value is grit, which I just, A, love the movie and love the value. We do whatever it takes to help our friends begin their journey, right? And, and grit has been a value from what I've understood RCC to be in the past, even today. Like this sensational desire that Jesus is the most important person to me, and I want to share them, him with my friends. And fifthly and finally, we want to be a relational church uh, because we believe that people... Being with people is the journey. People are the point, not fog machines or, you know, I've worked at mega churches and that, that's fine. God uses, it's fine. We're not, I'm not here to talk about that. But what I'm, what I'm here to say is, in the moment, <laughs> you are the most important person with that friend that is asking you those questions. And we want to be a people church. We want to be a relational church, a vibrant church, a church of grit, and a church dependent on our leader, Jesus, who's inviting all of us to journey with him for the first time and once again. And so I hope you'll take the journey with us this year. So let me pray and we'll continue in worship. Jesus, thanks so much for uh, this new vision and mission, this idea that faith is a journey 
and uh, we're all invited in regardless of what we believe or how we behave uh, because over time you'll, you'll, you'll deal with that. You'll, you'll work with us through that. Um, and so I, I, just, I just pray for the heart of our church that it would, um, it would, it would, it would bleed, it would have a white-hot passion uh, for this idea that um, our friends and family are invited in. They're invited to journey with you. And I pray that we would take that. I pray that this would not be a series that is theoretical, make us feel good, but it's a mission. It's a task that you've given us to invite as many people to start their journey with Jesus. It's in your name that we pray, amen.